Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. You're about to listen to a Women in Tech Remix episode, where we present to you a curated selection of impactful clips from previous episodes that you may have missed. And be sure to follow the links in the show notes to listen to the full episodes. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hey, my name is Yulia Mamanov. I'm a head of content at Lemon.io. We're connecting uh, Eastern European developers uh, with uh, American startups. I was born and raised in Ukraine, based in Israel now. It was just an offer that I couldn't, you know, say no to, and for a few reasons. So the first of them was their style and their brand. As you said, it was unique. I've never seen anything like this before. You know, before that, I've worked at several companies that were great, but they their style was and their brand, they were like very you know, like company-like, it was very serious, it was very office-like. I don't know how to explain that. Lemon.io, they just stood out. And as a content specialist, I felt I felt excited to be working and to be creating content around a brand like that. So I would say their brand and their style, those were the first first things that made me say want to say yes. But then I also met these people. I wouldn't say love at first sight because I don't believe in that. <laughs> But it was something close to that. I just really love the culture inside the company. They are very open-minded and they are very supportive and they believe in, you know, like they believe in, in the power of a team and they don't have any, like, you know, micromanagement and they trust you as a specialist. It's just a combination of a lot of different things that made me just really love what they're doing. I'm a homeschooling mom of a four-year-old boy. He was three back then. So for me, it was important to be part of a company that supports me to grow uh, without putting too much pressure on my personal life. You know, like I wanted to work for a company that respected boundaries and that supported and supported my choices and supported my lifestyle. And as a working full-time mom and a full-time, you know, head of content at Lemon.io, it's just I can't work like the regular hours I would do it in an office. So I talked to them about it before they hired me. And I wanted to be like very sure that they accept that and they are okay with me working in bits and pieces all throughout the day. And they were. And so that was like another thing that added up to my desire to work for them. And so, yeah, that's what I do now. I'm not just saying this because Yuli is on. Genuinely, my background is in the action sports industry, skate culture. I'm all about personality and design. And let me tell you, Lemon.io has one of the coolest 
sites I have seen on the internet, not saying this because Yulazan, it's how I authentically feel. Even the culture they represent in the copy on their site, you'll see like an example of that is you are the hero of your story, the one who fights the dragon and rescues the princess. Us, we're just here to help find that extra pair of hands, help you find that extra pair of hands. Like they, And the entire website is like that. They have commandments and everything, the images. It's amazing. So we go to Lemon in order to find developers to help us build our dreams. Can you walk us through what that experience is like? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we're basically helping American startups, almighty developers, as we call them, (laughs) from Eastern Europe. We are only working with uh, mid-plus and senior developers. What makes us, you know, stand out is that we check all of our developers. It's not just your regular freelance platform. Before we add a developer to our pool of Mighty Devs, we check them for their soft skills, uh, hard skills, English proficiency. We make sure that we are only hiring the best developers. And we are actually hiring from our statistics uh, only top 4%. So if say, you know, like 100 developers, they register and they fill out a form, usually only four of those would stay with us. after all the checks we do, unfortunately, we have to say no to 96 of them. And it's sad, but also it's really good because that means that we can put our trust in them and that we can be sure that the developers that we are offering to our clients, whom we also handpick, they are really trustworthy. The seniority that they um, mentioned they have is actually true. Not like, you know, like they would say they have 20 years of experience in a technology that's been only around for, you know, like three years, we don't have to worry about our reputation because reputation is like one of the most precious things (laughs) that we have. The same goes for our clients. We usually pre-check them so that because we, we really treasure and we value our developers. So in order to avoid any, you know, like bad experiences with us. We want to make sure that the the clients that we connect them with are also uh, reliable, trustworthy. They have like cool projects that senior devs want to be interested in working for. Hi, I'm April and Alter, CEO of Tenderfoot, a platform to connect students with internships at startups and other non-traditional opportunities based in Lisbon, Portugal. Yeah. Okay, man, where where to even start? I just want to say in the very beginning, so much of my entire creator entrepreneur journey has come through Twitter. I tell everyone that I can, look, if you want to it's like build something new, if you want to get into like the whole tech indie hacker entrepreneurial realm, check out Twitter. I think that Twitter, at least for me, has been the most important asset that I've had since quitting my full-time job. Pretty much everything that I've learned has been indirectly tied back to Twitter. Just want to put that out there first. Uh, the like network effects that you can receive are absolutely monumental. And where can people find you on Twitter? At April and A. And so from there, I would say a couple like key resources that I absolutely love. One is just Indie Hackers. I love IndieHackers.com, love everything that they're doing over there. Also, the when learning about kind of how to YouTube, some YouTube channels that have been really great for me to learn about has been Catherine Manning. Um, they're like, she's amazing. Um, she has a lot, a lot of her older content is about how to get started on YouTube really for the earlier stages. And what really launched me into like the next stratosphere of 
success on YouTube was taking the Part-Time YouTuber Academy, or PTYA, run by Ali Abdal. And that is a six-week-long cohort-based course all about getting started um, and beyond on YouTube. And that's really when I learned so much of like the tangible tactics and strategies when thinking about my YouTube channel that really was able to get me to the next level. It's so cool. And just to be on the reel with everyone, how realistic has your success been on YouTube? Can anyone listening now have the same outcome? What was the special ingredient that really catapulted you to be able to find success so quickly? Yeah, I will say it's I strongly believe that anyone can achieve this type of result in terms of how much money you're making on YouTube or how many subscribers you have on YouTube. I will say that I am definitely an outlier in terms of how much time it took. I was very lucky that um, I was able to blow up on YouTube so quickly out of the gate. But beyond that, I truly believe that really anyone wanting to start on YouTube It might take a year, it might take two years, but posting consistently and improving with every video will get you there. For me, I had a couple of things working for me to get me to a point where I was able to blow up so quickly. One was the niche that I was in. It's like a very new niche that I kind of blew up in. And it's the the niche is like NFTs and crypto. I hesitate saying that because I know that so many people have biases against the NFT world. But there were not many like female voices in this space whatsoever. And there weren't many voices taking technical concepts and simplifying them. Most all the content you saw about NFTs at that point were like crypto bros and like guys liking to throw around different types of lingo. So for one, my content was very nuanced in the space, very easy to differentiate myself. Two, the production quality, I was starting to improve over time, so just got a nice light, nothing too fancy, but enough to say, hey, I'm serious about this. The third thing, at least for me, was an emphasis of like storytelling, even within a niche where there isn't a ton of storytelling in general. So, and then also I just want to throw in like, hey, luck, like that is definitely an aspect as well. Um, I was lucky in that a particular video of mine did blow up when it did. I'll say with the caveat that most YouTubers do experience some sort of virality in their career if they stick with it long enough. I was lucky in that that moment of virality happened so early, but the chances of that happening increase the longer that you post on YouTube. So someone might see it within a year, someone might see it within two years, but usually it does happen. So yeah, those are kind of some of the basic factors that went into this. Hey, my name is Anna Chen Yuntai. I'm a CEO and founder of Episcore. We are the technology company that develops the advanced robotics technologies to 3D print full-scale houses. We're based in Melbourne, Florida. So we, at that moment, we actually are raising money. So we have been qualified by SEC, uh, Security Exchange Commission of the United States, to sell uh, the shares of our company to the public. So basically everyone can buy our shares. It's not IPO, but it's basically like the regulated by SEC crowdfunding. So with the little of $1,000, you can buy shares of of our company. And so the goal of the fundraising today is basically to expand our uh, 
manufacturing capabilities and facilitate the growth of the business in the United States. Because we already completed kind of like the fundamental research and development and product development. So now we are uh, preparing for the stage when we go into build more houses, sorry, 3D print more houses, getting more customers and early adopters. And the demand is so insane because, you know, the uh, housing shortage, uh, the prices for the houses in the United States and worldwide is crazy. So, yeah, basically right now we are preparing for the uh, exciting times of really growing the company. And uh, today we're pretty a pretty small team of 10 people. And, uh, yeah, we're working hard to raise money and expand our capabilities. So we usually hear about IPOs or NFTs when it comes to owning a piece of the original, but you used a different route. Can you tell us more about that, how you discovered it and and why you chose to go that pathway? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what we're doing right now, it's a regulation A+. It's the special exemption by SEC that actually was um, introduced by Barack Obama. Uh, So the idea is that to have the opportunity to invest in the early startups, uh, like Google, for example, right? So back like uh, 20 years ago. So opportunities like that would be available not only for people with their deep pockets or like a VCs or like this deal is kind of like behind the closed doors, but for everyone, right? So the uh, for the accredited and non-accredited investors. So Regulation A+, plus basically to get qualified, you really need to go through the pretty thorough process, be qualified by SEC, meaning that you have to prepare the audited financials, have a, a lot of disclosures, basically comply with the law. So we, what we did successfully, and now we basically offer the shares to everyone. And you can just go to our website, click Invest Now, submit the uh, application, and then the broker-dealer uh, look at your application, make sure that you're a real person and you can invest money like at n- not more than 10% of your annual uh, net worth. And then basically you receive the, the shares of our company. And Regulation A Plus uh, became very popular uh, tool for a lot of companies. So um, it's a basically like alternative way to raise money compared to like institutional or VCs, right? It's kind of different. And we saw that it was pretty successful direction for a lot of companies because you you have more flexible terms as a company. And we saw that a lot of people wanted to buy our shares. One of the uh, Google uh, search was like Episcore shares. <laughs> and we have been asked by people for years, like, uh, please let us know when you become public, we want to buy your, your, your shares. So we just decided that it may be a better uh, path for our company. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. 
Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.